the President has made crystal clear on September 25th that he had no intention of imposing the Muslim ban. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Erickson immigration attorney Scott Wilkinson and draft secretary Con Branch analyzed the new successfully passed travel ban and provides reasoning for the Supreme Court's 5-4 decision. Like true immigration nerds, today's episode gets academic. So bring your legal books and come join us Beyond Borders. The Supreme Court upheld the newest version of President Trump's travel ban in a landmark ruling Tuesday. It bars people from Syria, Libya, Yemen, Iran, Somalia, North Korea, and Venezuela from entering the United States. Proclamation 9645 ended up being the third travel ban, which went on to be challenged by uh, the state of Hawaii. It allowed for or prevented aliens from eight states from entering the United States of America, and that ended up being demoted down to seven states. Correct. Chad was removed from the list ultimately because they were compliant with the underlying premise of the proclamation, which was to secure the borders, and the president did so after basically uh, going through a process called an assessment or baseline of foreign countries. And initially there were a few dozen that did not satisfy the baseline for one reason or another. Either they did not secure their travel documents, did not provide information on criminal histories of those traveling to this country, or themselves uh, had some connections to terrorism. So ultimately, those countries uh, in a 50-day period were able to remedy their issues, and we were left with the eight that we have. Chad ultimately, at the last minute, was able to have themselves removed from the list because of their compliance with the requirements by uh, the United States. Right. And so the reason that those states appear on this list is because they did not comply with a three-part standard that was set up by the Secretary of Homeland Security regarding their uh, ability to allow individuals to entry. That it is. It is an order that is based on a multi-agency worldwide review that applied neutral criteria all across the world and concluded under those neutral criteria, most of the world was fine, but a small part of it failed to provide us with that minimum baseline of information, the minimum, not the ideal. The First being um, the use of electronic passports. The second one being the sharing of criminal background information about individuals entering the United States. And then the final thing being whether or not there were uh, histories of, of violence, if they are sponsors of state terrorism, things like that. Or political disruption. Uh, or political disruption. Things like that. Things right, like that. right. And that was the three-part criteria that was subject to test in Trump versus Hawaii that was, again, upheld by the Supreme Court. And you could uh, tell, based upon the questions posed by the justices, how the split was going to go. Mm-hmm. I think there are 50 predominantly Muslim countries in the world. Five, of, five countries, five predominantly Muslim countries are on this list. The, uh, the population of the, con- of the predominantly Muslim countries on this list make up about 8% of the world's Muslim population. If you looked at the 10 countries with the most Muslims, exactly one, right. Iran, would be on that list right. of the top 10. So 
Would a reasonable observer think this was if a it were, Muslim ban? If it were just we the were text of nine for nine in our prediction as to how the course the case would be decided. Although I think we initially thought that Justice Kennedy would be the the drafter of the opinion, but it turned out to be the Chief Justice himself. Right, right. Um, and so when the decision was handed down, like you mentioned, it was the Chief Justice who ended up writing the opinion, and then he was. Um, there were two um, concurring opinions, the first one being a short concurrence that was written by Justice Anthony Kennedy, and then a longer concurrence written by Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, along with those two concurrences, there were two dissents, the first one being um, written by Justice Stephen Breyer, and he was joined by Justice Elena Kagan in the dissent, and then the final dissent being written by Justice Sonia Sotomayor, touched on numerous topics and issues. That the and challenged justices- the Supreme Court's decision, in a sense, by uh, showing that they decided in an opposite direction relative to a case not long before uh, the religious freedom case out of Colorado, where the court found that a single statement by a commissioner in Colorado gave justification for uh, holding as they did there. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, uh, the president himself had made prior to the election, during the election and after, and after taking office, of course, various comments regarding how he was going to implement the ban, some anti-Muslim statements, and the Supreme Court more or less set that aside. Suppose you have a local mayor, and as a candidate, uh, he makes vituperative, um, hateful statements. He's elected, and on day two, he takes acts that are consistent with those hateful statements. That's Whatever he said in the campaign mm-hmm. is irrelevant. Your, your Honor, if he takes the same oath. What I, you would say, whatever yeah. he said in the campaign is irrelevant? I would say two things. And that was the, and the second thing is the point I was about to turn to. I would say yes, because we do think that oath marks a fundamental transformation. But I would and also said that say as a here, facially neutral uh, application of executive authority, that it was within his power to do that and that the previous statements or even concurring statements, continuing statements, do not impact his authority to ultimately do what he did in this proclamation, which has now uh, resulted in the denial of travel to the United States for individuals from those countries. Right. Uh, a few days ago, in the Masterpiece case that the Supreme Court handed down, that was a majority of more than just five justices, if I recall correctly. The court found that the language that was used by commissioners demonstrated animus towards a certain religious group, and therefore the conduct that was engaged in by that government agency was improper, striking down the prohibition for them. Whereas, again, like we mentioned uh, a few days after that, the Supreme Court found that they could set that aside in the case of the president, language that was used by the president. Well, again, this is a different a different, different issue in the sense that we're talking about Article 2 powers of the executive mm-hmm. and whether or not the president, irrespective of what he or eventually maybe she would say, is something that they can still do. Mm-hmm. And the president, the executive branch, that includes Department of State, Department of Homeland Security, ICE, all the executive branch agencies, the president has broad discretion to implement policy. Mm-hmm. And the policy here, arguably, was one that just restricted certain countries, nationals, from entering because of their home country's inability to establish more or less relationships with the United States to secure the borders by the things you just discussed, criminal background checks, security of travel documents, and basically just not being a sponsor of terrorism. Mm -hmm. So if, if they can change those countries, if they can change their policies, establish policies that satisfy the president and the United States, there is actually a provision within the proclamation itself that every 180 days they will review and decide whether or not countries should remain on the list. Potentially other countries could come on, I imagine. 
Uh, but we could see other countries like Chad being removed from the list if there is ultimately compliance. And again, like you mentioned, it speaks to the Article 2 powers, and that's what the Chief Justice covers in his opinion. He goes on to say, under the Immigration and Naturalization Act, that it is within the president's broad discretion to suspend the entry of aliens um, into the United States, and that's what he uses um, as the basis for this proclamation from the president being able to stay in place and why they weren't able to touch on other questions or issues because of is within that broad peer review of the president to enforce those issues regarding national security. And there's something of a pressure release as to individuals. There's an option to request a waiver for individuals of those countries impacted. Uh, and that was discussed at oral argument. I don't know that the data was complete enough to be able to make an assessment. We do know that there have been waivers granted. We know the number of waivers granted, relatively low, low numbers in the hundreds. In terms of those who had applied, we don't I don't think we have those numbers, so we can't tell whether or not the waiver program is something that will actually uh, provide relief to individuals who have hardship or other connections to the United States who may happen to be from Iran or Somalia or mm -hmm. one of these other countries. And we should also note that these ban, uh, the ban uh, that is in place is not an outright ban for individuals who seek to enter the United States. For example, individuals who hold F-1 visas are still permitted to enter the F1s, United States of America. F-1s, J-1s, yeah, there, there's basically a sliding scale depending upon which of the seven countries uh, is impacted by what kind of policies. And as you say, F-1 students can still come from some of those countries, as can J-1 uh, exchange visitors. So, And it does not impact lawful permanent residents in the United States or those who have asylum. Uh, even if they hail from those countries, they will still have the ability to travel to the United States. That is the understanding now, but we never know how it's going to roll out in the future. So we'll just have to see how it's actually implemented at the borders. Mm -hmm. Regarding these uh, national injunctions, I think that this may be a topic that will come up in regards to immigration. We just saw this happen not too long ago before the Seventh Circuit. A three-judge panel upheld a ruling from the city of Chicago against the attorney general in regards to access to federal grants because those cities are um, sanctuary cities. The city of Chicago declared itself one. And now there's argument coming again before the entire Seventh Circuit, or I should say the court will be hearing as to whether or not it is rightful for a district court judge to invalidate a national policy through an injunction. Um, and that again happened a few days ago when a district court judge required the president to begin um, with reconnecting families that had been separated at the border through uh, In fact, his that was policy. the night before this decision. Yeah. Tuesday night, a judge uh, mandated that uh, the Border Patrol, CIS, all agencies involved, uh, reunite families with their minor children. Mm -hmm. And gave a very specific timetable, which I believe was no more than two weeks for children under the age of, I think, three years. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but who knows if that's going to be appealed and ultimately be overturned. It's hard to say. Right. Again, this is within the president's purview, uh, pursuant to Article 2 powers, to do what he thinks is best relative to the security of the country. And uh, we'll just have to see how that issue plays out. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something that we'll be watching, um, especially since I'll be appearing before a new court soon with the retirement of Justice Anthony Kennedy. Um, that means that the it's been a busy week. It has been a, a busy week for individuals watching the court and anybody interested in the law watching what's been going on. The president will be appointing a new justice, um, Mitch McConnell, the leader well, of the Senate. The president will nominate yes, an yes. replacement for Justice Correct. Kennedy. Correct. And depending upon when that uh, bubbles up, uh, we do have an election forthcoming. Right now, the Republicans have a very very narrow majority. In this case, I think even if a conservative jurist were to be appointed, nominated and appointed, 
uh, and and uh, affirmed by the Senate, I think you'd probably still have the same result because we had a 5-4 uh, in favor of the president. It would probably not differ. But of course, in other issues, areas of law where Justice Kennedy was uh, the pivotal vote, that could very much change the jurisprudence as we move forward. For more content and immigration updates, please visit our website at eiglaw.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG underscore law and our Instagram underscore EIG law to join in the conversation. Thank you for listening. See you next time.